I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Smashbox TV's podcast 403. 403? Is there any special thing about 403? No, I don't have any... Area codes, no, uh, no songs, no. no songs, no other, uh, nothing else incredibly unique or special other than the actual date. Big shout out. Some of my favorite disc golf memories of all time, at least a, a few of the memories that are in the top 10 easily, all come along with the three time world champion. Nate Doss says it is today is his, his birthday. birthday. So big shout out to Nate. Him and I played phone tag like four times today, and uh, I don't think I ever got around to actually being able to say it to him. So happy birthday to Nate. Tons of other birthdays today. I know DJ Heck yeah, it's his birthday today, <laughs> which is just always fun to say. So uh, happy Brian, to, uh, happy Brian, happy birthday to Brian, DJ Heck yeah as well. So and everyone else that's celebrating a birthday. So uh, good friend of ours, birthday. Steve Held's birthday yesterday. He's yeah, a, he doesn't count though. I, no, he doesn't. But he's an <laughs> avid watcher or a listener at least he yes. says he turns us on in the background uh, well, there's Good been a enough. lot of years of that all right so uh tonight we're are, we are going to have a couple of very special guests uh with two very different unique uh, sets of updates someone's going to be recapping not only a victory and what we're going to see moving forward and then another guest will be joining us shortly after her and she'll be telling us uh, about a very special event that she has coming up so uh when it's all said and done it's going to be back-to-back sarah's and we're going to start with the 20 wow 2012 yeah World champion. I had to think about it. I, I, I was I was spacing out for a whole other reason. Our 2012 world champion and Masters Cup champion, Sarah Holcomb. Hey, Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Hey, guys. How's it going? Great. Uh, I, I'm going to just quickly admit I paused for a moment. Obviously, 
I know you won in 2012 as I was there, and we have this great photo that I always uh, I, remember us getting. I always confuse t- if it's 2012 or 2010 in my head no. because I know it's, I always know it's an even number clearly, and then I was like, which which year? No, it's it's always 2012. So it doesn't I was, change. I was thinking what I was thinking though for you, Sarah. Is the other one that was so close that was almost in your grasp way back in 2015. Uh, and for a moment, I almost called out 2015 because in everybody's head, that felt like that was yours. But here we are. How are you doing tonight? Let's dredge up other memories, Terry. Yeah, I know. Were there any other events that you were close to winning? One up, bud. <laughs> yeah. The one that got away. Yeah. I remember that one. Oh, gosh. Uh, what a Thanks for having me on. Yeah, and uh, thank you. Uh, of course, first of all, more than anything, congratulations. Uh, incredible tournament and incredible finish to come off the chase card to take it down this weekend. Uh, let, let's start right there. Masters Cup, two rounds at the regular De La Course, and then, <clears throat> excuse me, and then you move over to the ball golf course. And let's be honest, a lot of people aren't like, well, yeah, Sarah's clearly picking up strokes when we head to the ball golf course. Like that's just you know that's that's her bread and butter. Uh, talk to us about the two, the first two rounds. Yeah, so De La Viega, the OG course, they kind of changed a few of the, a little bit of the layout, took away a few of the birdie holes that I think that the women can get to, um, and so an eighteen hole layout, but it included some short holes, and then of course still top of the world, which was a, mm-hmm. you know an iconic hole. And um, the first couple rounds, I was just really playing safe and patient. I can only get five birdies on that course. Um, in the first round, I got two of them. The second round, I got one of them, which is a pretty good birdie rate for two out of five and one out of five. That's you know not too bad. <laughs> I was actually pretty happy with that. Um, but just minimizing the bogeys. Um, and there's so many holes out there that really are a par four or a par three and a half you know, at least four of those holes should be a par four. So, you know, in reality, I felt like I kind of actually, you know, shot under par out of daylight, even though the pars are not quite what we expect them to be in today's standards. Um, yeah, I, I wasn't feeling great about my putt most of the weekend. I wasn't really running anything outside the circle on daylight OG. And, uh, but I did make a few putts. I got the lady hole t- both times which I was really happy gravity, otherwise known mm-hmm. as gravity. Mm-hmm. I gave the lady some love. So all the OGs <laughs> know what I'm talking about. Yeah, you did. Um, both times and it worked. And then um, I actually threw a really good shot off top of the world both times and didn't get the birdie. But uh, so I was kind of disappointing. To, I got, I put it like, I put it like 15 the second round um, in a raging headwind. So I was really, really happy with that shot, but I missed a putt high. I wanted it too bad. <laughs> yeah, um, I, saw actually, I saw that I, in the post-production. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I just pured the shot. And actually I have an ace on top of the world from in the longer position, the 600 and something foot one, um, that's no longer in play. And, uh, I was feeling pretty good about it in practice, but, um, you know, I was just really happy to throw the shot in bounds, um, on such an iconic hole, but we had a headwind both days and that's just going to push it into the parking lot. So, uh, I was stoked to make the adjustment. Yeah. And, uh, real quick, I, of course I didn't, I'll admit I didn't dissect a bunch of scores, but every single shot I saw on 18 from men or women at any point um, throughout the weekend, they were all in bounds. Were are people just getting better at controlling it, or did I just see the best of the best shots? But everybody seemed to get it in bounds, and I, 
you know, I know Owen threw a forehand and yelled for the parking lot and then came up plenty short and, and had a look at the birdie. She's wanted to yell parking lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is it, is, do people have that hole dialed in? It seems, it seems like it. I mean, if you didn't see anybody go out of bounds, I didn't see a lot of out of bounds shots. So yeah, I mean, okay. I guess we're all getting a little bit better. <laughs> yeah. And that course, you know, uh, you know, we could have a three hour podcast just talking about Dela. There's, there's so much, not only history, but of course, just so many intricacies. And it's a unique course on our tour now. Yeah, right, Sarah? I mean, talk about, compare that to, I know you just discussed, you know, maybe some of the par uh, identifiers, but just compare the course to, what What else would you compare it to? Let's, let's go there. Nothing. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, it's wooded. I mean, okay. I mean, I guess you could, it's got the technicality of Idlewild. Um, on tee mm-hmm. shots, I think, you know, um, but nothing has a ground play like Daylaw, and no, but nothing has canyons of poison oak that, you know, will leave you itching for two weeks if you happen to go down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you? Are there any similarities? I think of a lot of the greens at WR Jackson, which we just saw a few weeks ago for Champions Cup. Hit some basket rollaways. Is there any similarities there? Maybe. Yeah, you're you're not you're not wrong, but honestly, I would think of it more like those. I mean, I know the greens don't look the same as like Jonesboro, but I mean, they feel the same. Like Jonesboro, I didn't run yeah. any C two putts like the whole weekend, mm-hmm. you know. And the same thing with Dayla, you know, you're just laying that stuff up. Now you're laying up differently because Dayla, you have to lay up twenty feet short, expecting the little slide to get to the pin. So there's not really much. I can't think of much that we play. Uh, maybe some of the technicality of Maple Hill and some of the greens there, you know, but it's, it's, it's a different place for Do sure. You, and with the com- uh, course design wise, you know, normally I wouldn't really like playing a course where I can only get five birdies out of 18. <laughs> That's like pretty demoralizing. Um, but I really do enjoy just throwing the lines out at De La. Um, and maybe the nostalgia of just being back in that area um, kind of contributes, but I, I would normally be kind of like this course design is terrible. We can only get five birdies. Um, <laughs> although I did see Ella get a bunch of birdies that nobody else can get. And I was like, I told her after I watched her get, uh, 16, 15 and, 16, and 16 and had a putt <laughs> and she had a putt of 17. She almost got the whole heel hill, but she laid up 17 cause she was feeling nervous about the, the raised basket. I was just like, Oh my gosh, Ella, you're just ruining my entire philosophy of FDO courses I right now. Gosh, dang it. She's, she's unique. I mean, she's in that same tier as, you know, the, uh, the cat and page and Kona. Like I just, I would put her, honestly, I would put her in a tier above Kona and cat at like, you know, she's just throwing fairway drivers that, for, for over 400, you know, geez. like it's, yeah. She's doing she's doing stuff that like we only really saw have seen Paige do. Okay. You know, maybe Evelina yeah. um might have that same kind of power and probably Henna as well. Um but but yeah, I mean I would say Maria Oliva is pretty close on that power too. Really? Um, I, I didn't yeah. I didn't yeah. Ella just yeah, no, Maria is like got sneaky far distance. Okay. Because I, I always realize. think of our far throwers as like cat and and then also as well, Cat Merch these days, who seems to be able to. Oh, Merch. Merch has it. And so, Jennifer Allen. Agreed. Well, of course, Jen Allen is and then a Jen, given. Yeah. <laughs> so, Dela, yeah. d- congratulations on the win. Do, do you feel like your experience, because you've played it a lot more than some of these other women, 
do you feel that played yeah. into why you routinely end up at the top at this event? I don't know about routinely necessarily like end up at the top, but like I also know the course really, really, really well. And I love the course as well. I have a guys, I have, we have a nice relationship, me and Dela. <laughs> um, uh, but I think what I've learned over the years on that particular course is I've been, I've been, I've rolled away everywhere. Uh, I've thrown all the shots that hit the pin and roll down the hill and I think that what I learned, what I've learned and what I was able to apply this year that made the big difference was that I just threw really confident shots. Uh, I never played scared. You know, I know these rollaways can happen. And I've been like, when I first won this tournament, it was probably the first time I played the course in, in competition um, because you don't know what kind of trouble you can get in. And then those middle years, I won it. I won this tournament 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And then all these middle years, I think I'm just, you know, being aware of, you know, and all sorts of things. Like I've always said, you can't win Dela without being good and lucky. Um, but uh, I just think that I, I, you know, I've overcome that just through confident shots, knowing what kind of risk I was taking. And yeah, if I'm, if it's going to roll away, it's going to roll away. Um, but I'm going to throw the shot to the pin and not try to baby it up there, leaving myself some long putt that I got to try to decide whether I'm going to run as well. Um, just simplify the game by throwing the shots, um, you know, an aggressive conservative line. Um, is that a thing? That's a thing. Uh, no, <laughs> it I mean, is it, if you say it is. No, it makes sense. And I guess so to follow all of that logic up, was it interesting playing with someone like Ella, who obviously has only really been involved with disc golf for a couple of years, but seeing the Ella's and the cat merches and just the newer players, the Maria Oliva's who haven't been around for, you know, a decade plus and have that familiarity I mean, are you chuckling? Are you thinking anything to yourself? Are you are you just quietly observing when you're watching others kind of have that experience for the first time? Um, yeah, I I am kind of uh, I'm definitely not chuckling out loud, but, <laughs> uh, you know, like, well, OK, here's an example. Ella runs um, one of the death putts on on to, it's normal hole 8A, but it's I think hole 7. Yeah, so okay. this little right to le left to right, um, 225 feet up the hill, but it's got yep. the canyon on the right. Yep. Right. Everybody, she had a putt from outside the circle looking right at it and, you know, didn't make it <laughs> and hit the tree behind. And then it cut rolls and goes all the way down the hill. And she mm -hmm. has to re putt and get, um, takes a double. And, you know, I mean, I, I just know, like, unless my putt's feeling real good, I ain't even attempting that putt. <laughs> you, your choices are the chains or the ground you don't get happies <laughs> and and out there one out of ten the ground is going to wreck you too so way to go maybe <laughs> yeah but that's also like a nose angle control mm -hmm. situation where you're going to hit the ground even well short of the basket maybe leaving yourself a 12 footer um to ensure you're not going to hit a root and roll away yeah and that i feel like was such a a a great teachable moment, not of, of course, just for herself and for her own, you know, personal progress, but even as a viewer, uh, when she, you know, abandoned the lie and then repot from that same spot, rather than going down to the ravine and going to where it had landed, Hoping even though she was, back yeah, even though she was still in bounds, she abandoned the lie and then repot. And as you said, walked away with the double bogey. But I just feel like that's, that's one of those scenarios where, I feel like a viewer is like, what, what the hell just happened? What's going on here? But she's just, you know, uh, applying one of the rules that's available to her. So I thought that yeah, was a great I teachable that moment. That was the right, 
play too mm-hmm. when when it comes to what happened after the putt you know um so yeah I, those things happen and i mean and like i said you have to be lucky and good and um i didn't get daylight once i don't know okay like i wow. really didn't have any rollaways so I, I mean, I, I threw a one, I threw like one shot a little bit long and it kind of trickled down the hill, but I was able to make the putt. So it wasn't like it, it wasn't a true day lie. It was just a, <laughs> you know, a fast approach. Now you have the two rounds there and then you head over to the ball golf course. So before you even talk about the ball golf course, I understand from a logistic standpoint, why it goes two and then one in this case. But do do you care about the timing and that format? Do you do you wish it went one, you know, you know, uh, OG and then ball golf and then OG, or do you like the two rounds and the one round? Does any of that matter to you? You know, I don't really have a say in any of that stuff, so I try not to make it matter a whole lot. Okay. You know, you only control the controllables. Um, however, I would prefer to play all three rounds at OG Dela and just leave the golf course to the golfers. Yeah, I didn't seem to yeah. hurt you this year by any means. You you shot what was it a ten? I, mean, I might not have won if they had left us all day long, all three rounds. But I do prefer yeah. that golf. All right, a ten so, ten rated round, a fifty three tied with Katrina, who also shot a fifty three out there. You guys were three strokes better than the next closest one at Jennifer Allen. That that's that's a hell of a round. Yeah, we honestly, I really felt like we were kind of pushing each other and not necessarily in a, like a negative competitive way, but just, you know, I was getting, a, I got, a, I got a birdie to start. She got the next like three. I followed up with a couple. She got one. I got one. She got one. I got one. Uh, we both got a couple. Yeah, we were, we were playing really clean golf and it was a really, it was a really casual round though, too. You know, Cat Merch and Juliana were also on our card and it was good vibes. It's always nice. Actually, I have to tell you this. Uh, when I found out that I was on the second card, but I was in third place, <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, this is the best position ever because you get all the, you know, like a lead card, no matter how you try to shake it up, it's always stressful. Mm-hmm. You know, you're trying to, you're trying to like not be stressed, but you're just got all these people watching got all the cameras on you, you know, you know, you're right there. Um, and then second card chase card, sometimes it can be stressful too. Um, uh, but it's much easier to be more relaxed and kind of just chill on the course. So we had a pretty relaxed and casual round. And I, I was really stoked that that was my situation because I love being like top of the second card, but you know, within reach of the leader. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think all the way back to literally 20 years ago, a good friend of ours, uh, said like that is the ultimate sweet spot now that was pre u disc that was pre live scoring and everything else but there was just always this idea of like you could be a little bit sneaky and maybe fly under the radar if you were on that chase card but within striking distance and again today it's a very different you know mentality so talk a little bit about your overall plan when it comes to scoring, I know you're not one that, you know, pays attention to the scores maybe until the very end of the round or when it's needed. Um, I, I know that can be very situational. So, and there were some U disc issues, scoring yeah, issues. So, so talk about scoring. all of that. Yeah, that's a lot to talk about. Um, <laughs> I, I did not check the scores at all the whole time mm-hmm. okay. um, until actually I had approached on 18. I threw a jumper, um, just a layup up to the pin. And I was like three feet away. 
Um, and I knew I could just tap that in. That's when I actually p- pulled out my phone for the first time and saw that I was leading. And what did you think? I was like, actually, I turned to somebody <laughs> next to me. I don't even know who it was. I turned to somebody and go, did I just win off the chase card? <laughs> 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 okay, and uh, it, I'll, I'll be the first to admit I was I was at Maple Hill filming a college event, and just as we were getting done with whatever round we were on, that's when I think I I was able to tune in on I think as you were like teeing on eighteen, mm-hmm. and I watched the scores before that because I feel like a moment earlier I'm like holy sh-, like there's three of them that are all tied, yeah. and then what something the madness happened on 17 okay now I'm looking at the scorecard and it looked like that's where Kat took her first bogey and that's where Ella took a double and you're just parring on out yeah I mean I can't even get 17 and 18 I can barely get 16 I definitely can't get 15 like I can get eight out of the 18 holes mm-hmm. out there um, I got to, I made two big jumpers to get to seven, but I really got five out of the eight that I can normally get. And then I got two that I don't normally get with big jumpers. So, and actually our Udisker, unfortunately, um, yeah, he scored hole three wrong. Um, I had a par on that and he scored mm. me as a bogey and then he scored hole 14 wrong. Um, having a score me for a par when I had a birdie. So going into like 14, 15, 16, my score was two strokes wrong. Um, and yeah, so I, I didn't know any of that was happening at the time. I only, my only first clue that the scores were not proper online at some, in some way was uh, whole 17th pad. Uh, one of the DGBT staff members went and talked to Juliana, who was doing the live scoring on PDGA and com- was comparing that with the UDIS scoring which I believe the live scoring was probably right, but the U-Disc is what the broadcast uh, comes off of. So um, the U-Disker had scored me um, wrong on those two holes. So then once we got to, once once we were teeing at 17, then it got caught up and all of a sudden I'm leading. um, And then, you know, Kat uh, throws her shot out of bounds. um, And then uh, we get to 18 and she throws her shot out of bounds again. um, Being very vocal about her, ready to like we were we were just randomly chatting on 18th t um just not like teeing up quickly and she's like hey i got a tournament to win over here (laughs) and i was like at that point i was like oh well i'm pretty sure we're shooting pretty close and i had you by two going in so uh (laughs) i guess that must mean something but i quickly let that go out of my brain and juliana teed up first and then i went up and um through probably the best shot I've ever thrown on 18, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, you, you uh, you legitimately could have run at that putt had you needed it. Like if you, if you know, I wouldn't have that's Sarah, you're killing me here and you're killing everybody on like, just think you, without knowing those scores, if you walk, if you walk up and you, you need a, you need a birdie to win. I mean, we saw Ella had to get an ACE to win. And she she put everything she did could into it, couldn't get there, came up short. But I just think like if you look at the scores and granted, you're on the second card. So it's a different position because you don't know what the people behind you are going to do. But, you know, obviously with some one of them could bogey, you could win with a bogey, as we saw um, without what happened to Ella on 17. But I just think like if you need that on 18, man, someone's got to be tapping you on the shoulder and being like, you're going to want to go with this one. <laughs> Yeah, me. and then I'm gonna randomly throw in a hundred footer. But if you have to, I mean, right? If, but like, when you have to do stuff like that, come on. I mean, that's the same well, hole that the, the raptor legs were created. Would you? 
I, I guess this is this is a, a choice for you. Would you rather take guaranteed second, a possible first, or fifth? Like that. That's. I mean, you lay it up. You take second. You run at it. You have a chance to win. Or you could, depending on the green and what happens, that, that particular hole is a little different. You know, you go down a hill at Dela and you're taking a five or something. Like, do does the win matter to you that much, or just the position? Like, are you happy with a second? Um, the position. The position matters a little bit, but um, I always try to I always try to remind myself that it is much preferable for, preferable to care too little than to care too much. Okay. And as an athlete, my whole life, I always care about winning. <laughs> so I try to care too little. And, you know, if I would have not, you know, if I would have needed that 90 footer to win the tournament, I mean, and I didn't make it. And that's golf. Like, yeah, I, there was there was, you know, so many there's 100 shots prior to that one that determine who the winner is. Um, so I'm not going to try to do something crazy on the last hole that almost never works. One in a hundred. <laughs> um, probably not. I mean, okay. I'm at the point where I just play the game and things shake out as they will. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, we always say there's so much emphasis put on that final hole and that final putt, whatever the case might be. And you think, yeah, as you just said, you played 53 holes prior there, you know, the shot on the very first hole of the tournament was just as important uh, it just feels different because obviously it's how you're closing out. So I, I can understand where you're coming from. The, the clearly uh, uh, a very, very talented field. Really the, the, the two women of this year that otherwise maybe you'd see at an elite series uh, event being uh, Paige and Kristen Tatar. But there's a lot of conversation as in, in terms of, do the silver series feel as good? Does this one feel different because it was an NT forever and it's such a tough track and a unique track? Uh, does strength of win, field, any of that matter to you? I mean, a win is a win, but does anything else matter when you're looking at this other than the W? Not really. In the fields we have nowadays, I mean, everybody's really good and everybody throws really far. So anytime I can get a win, especially if it's a even, you know, a silver series. I mean, obviously, an elite is going to be a little bit mostly it's just the points that count more. Now, you know, I only got a quarter of the points for winning mm -hmm. this one where I would have liked to get three quarters more <laughs> um, in in an elite uh, one of the elite series. So, um, yeah, I would say that's the only reason, though. Um, otherwise I, I feel really just, I feel like I played great and I just, you know, I, um, beat a lot of really talented ladies. So yeah, it's, it's all, it's all gravy. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about how your season's been going thus far? Because it, it's incredibly competitive, uh, in the FPO division more than ever. So with that, how do you feel like your season's been going? You know, I think I've been doing pretty good. I know my finishes haven't been as high as they traditionally are, but, you know, I've been wondering for years when these ladies are going to figure out how to beat me out here. <laughs> and um, there's a, they're figuring it out. So, I mean, I'm still plugging away, still improving my skills um, in a couple different aspects. Um, but I've been expecting for years that I'd be dropping down the leaderboard. Um, and, uh, it's finally happened a little bit. So uh, I'm pretty proud of the FBO field. <laughs> um, and, uh, I think I'm doing pretty good. And I had a few injuries early in the year, um, with my shoulder. 
And um, so I've been working through those and it's fine now. I'm not, I'm not, I, I didn't play the DDO because I didn't want to actually after, after playing the course, I didn't pull out because I was injured. A lot of people uh, kind of thought that I was injured for that event, but I wasn't um, just uh, choosing, picking and choosing the, the uh, events and courses I want to play. And I think the pro tour with the, you know, the drops they give us gives us kind of that flexibility to pick and choose the courses that we think we're going to perform the best on. And to be fair, tra- traditionally, you seem to be a, uh, a a late starter when it comes to a lot of things. As far as the East Coast events seem to favor your game, you know, the nickname that they throw out there, the, the Queen of Clean. Um, you are much more favored out in those woods compared to some of those other women, as opposed to the events like the DDO or Las Vegas or the ones where it's really just a lot of distance. <laughs> Yeah, agreed. And that's kind of why I was stoked the Champions Cup was early in the season. I was like, look, I'm not a late starter. It's just course design. <laughs> Straight <laughs> yeah. up, like, you know, like, thankfully, we had a wooded course early. Uh, yeah. And so right now I'm I'm looking at the the Pro Tour standing, seeing that you're in eighth. Uh, Kristen, Kat, Paige, Val, and then Missy, Kat, Merch, Ella, and yourself. Uh, how much do you think about the pro tour standings and when do you worry about your standings? I mean, clearly there's the end of the year championship, but does, does that even, is that thought even enter your mind for another month or two yet? Um, I was thinking about it for the match play for sure. I actually okay. originally thought only eight women were going to make it into the match play. And so once I got the, um, the high finish at champions cup, I looked and I realized that it propelled me into that top eight or I was like seventh or something at that point when I had been down in like 15, 16. Mm-hmm. Um, so champions cup is sweet that that's counts for um, one and a half times the points, 150% um, on the majors and two out of the four count towards the overall points. So I think that's a pretty good system. Um, and I was looking at that and actually the fact that I was, had propelled up into the standings. And then I found out there were actually 16 women at the match play instead of eight, <laughs> like last year. I was like, that's actually one of the things that when it, when it came to playing the DDO, I decided not to play because okay. I knew I didn't need the points. Yeah. And, and like we said, you're com- now you're comfortably sitting in eight, uh, yeah, in eighth and you've got about 24 or 23 and some odd change, uh, points in front of own Scoggins, Emily beach, Alexis and Maria. So, uh, clearly there's always this conversation and I'm going to be the first to say, I'm trying to get away from it. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of, uh, easy fallbacks in terms of of commentary and or comments when it comes to our players and i i'm done being mesmerized by you throwing a backhand because you've been working on it for a long time and you uh, clearly have taken a serious consideration to improving on it and you're throwing it a lot more often i need to quit being like oh wow this is crazy she's you know that's so in character because it's not anymore so talk to us about the development in terms of how comfortable are you and and do we just need to accept that's part of your game and not seem impressed anymore because you're a talented athlete that throws backhand yeah. now? Uh, well, you know, I've been working on it for many, many years. You know, I mean, even mm-hmm. today I was playing a practice round and one of my card mates, I threw a backhand from like a hundred feet or something. And he goes, oh, look at you throwing a backhand. <laughs> I was like... Whoa, buddy, I've been doing this for at least a decade. <laughs> These short ones are exactly. I'm good inside like 150, 200, but mm-hmm. um, 
But yeah, I mean, I'm still not comfortable. You okay. know, I'm still limiting the the angles I'm trying to throw. And I mean, throwing, I mean, practice, I'm throwing more angles, but I'm really keeping at like a stock shot on the backhand. And honestly, um, this last weekend, I had four backhand slated for that course and I threw none off the mm. tee. I just, I hadn't even practiced the sidearm on a couple of the holes. And once I got into the position, I thought, mm, you know what? It's not, I'm just throwing the backhand because that's the shot. But I don't need to. I don't need to burn strokes right now. So I threw. I threw sidearms when I wasn't going to throw them um, out there. And to be honest, my backhand cost me two. Definitely cost me at least two strokes out at Daylock because I threw backhands on two holes that uh, did not work out. Bogey. Is what? What do you feel like there is for you to get comfortable? What? What is? Is it more reps or is it one hundred percent mental at this point? Oh, I have lots of problems with my form. Yeah. Okay. Kat, uh, Katrina Allen gave me a lesson earlier in the year and it really helped in a lot of ways and got me like way more um, confident. And I just had a lot more control over my trajectory. I was, you know, I was, I, it, it gave me more power and more control. Um, but I still, it's, <laughs> some days it's so bad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay. And so other days it's like it's like amazing, right? So I, there's still a, like 15 more lessons I need to work through, um, and I don't know which one is the next one. So I'm going to keep working what I know with what I've learned with Cat. Keep working that until I de- identify that next step that I need to um, change. Some people might be listening and, and thinking, "What is she talking about?" One of her most regular frequented longest competitors of all time. I mean, you've played against cat and page more than anyone else in the world to hear you say that cat is working on helping you work on your form or at least giving some tips and pointers and, and instruction. Some people would think that's absolutely crazy, but it's not. I mean, I guess, I mean, Katrina and I have been, you know, we've known each other for a lot of years. And so, you know, we've had times where we wouldn't be able to do that, you know, in our, in our past um, relationship, but, you know, uh, we've been in a really good place with, with each other for a lot of years and we respect each other. And, you know, if she needed help with anything, I'd be there. Yeah. I, I think that's awesome. Like that's uh, one of my favorite things uh, to hear. Uh, and uh, again, just from an uh, purely competitive standpoint, I think a lot of people would be, you know, a little bit taken back by that and somewhat surprised. We, we know that you can be cordial and, and friends on the course and whatnot, but at the same time to know you're helping your, your closest competitor. I don't know. I, I think is, is we see it a lot in other sports. You hear about a lot of teams or guys that will, uh, or, or probably women as well, that in the offseason will train together. They'll compete together. You've got quarterbacks that'll throw to other wide receivers. You've got wide receivers that'll work out together from two different teams. And I, I don't think it's as strange as we... It, it's obviously a little different because we're in a single sport. But I'm, I mean, I'm, I guarantee you that the, uh, golfers in the offseason golf together. You know, it's short. Yeah, but you think Tiger and Phil are are helping each other with I don't, form things? Uh, may, maybe. I don't think they're necessarily ones, you know, sort of supposed to be giving a lesson or anything <laughs> like that. But, okay. but I, I think I'm sure there's information exchanged. So, yeah. And honestly, we don't have a lot of form coaches in the sport yet no. that are highly, you know, they're not. I mean, there's some people out there doing it, but there's not a lot of people that are like highly um, known for that. Mm-hmm. So. 
You know what I mean? Like there's really not. And also, you know, honestly, I've gotten co- I've gotten coached by so many different people with my backhand and uh, I respond better to women coaching me. So, I mean, I've tried, I've gotten coached by a couple of men and so far when I've been coached by them, they haven't really identified the first thing I need to work on. They, I, you know, they've helped me with some things. Um, but I feel like, you know, it was, it was, a, it's much easier taking that kind of thing from, um, another female, like it, Kat was able to identify immediately the first thing I needed to change. I mean, uh, all we, right. We I have to ask what's like, that. Um, I wasn't pulling laterally with, I was, I was pulling up onto my, into like, into my traps instead of pulling laterally with my like super senatus or whatever that is back there. Okay. This guy. I okay. was pulling like up instead of like there. Anyway, I guess you guys saw that, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and, and I guess you kind of maybe, maybe somewhat just answered my, what would have been my follow up, which is someone who's famous and has, and then is a famous teacher, but famous for throwing sidearms differently than you is Scott Stokely. And so I guess mm. that would have been a, a, my next question was, have you ever had a backhand conversation with Scott Stokely? Uh, just knowing that forehand, you know, was one of his specialties, albeit a very different form than yours. But do you, have you guys ever had any talks about it? And knowing he's such nope, an instructor? I haven't, I haven't worked with Stokely yet. No. <laughs> okay. I mean, he's, he's running clinics. I know they're all, they're always sold out. So I don't know if you can get, uh, if you can get into one, but <laughs> You don't need right. I mean, yeah, uh, <laughs> he's everywhere. So I'm sure. I'm sure if I hit him up, that uh, he would he would help me out. Just tell him there's a camera. He'll show up. Yeah, he'll help you. Out. <laughs> now, Zing. let's uh, tell how how's tour life. I mean, you. I know you've talked about the FPO division getting more parity and and catching up, so to speak. But how's tour life? Because you're one of you're one of the uh, the the OGs in terms of longevity for our, uh, full-time touring. It's great. You know, every year I learned, I still learn different things. Um, it's a grind for sure. You know, especially with, you know, so many elite series events, it's really tough to kind of fit in those A tiers or any of those like fun events. Um, as I'm trying to grind out points and trying to get as many as I can get. Um, and then taking, you know, taking deliberate off weeks, has been, you know, kind of a newer thing. I think it's a combination of course design and then greater support from sponsors and payouts that allow, you know, I used to feel like, oh, I got to play every weekend just to make a paycheck. And now, you know, I can take a few weekends off um, in order to rest the body and prepare mentally um, or just, you know, take time, you know, because I mean, as I mean, I've been grinding out for like thir- 13 years since 2009 or so. Um. And I don't really take an off season either. I, I work in the off season almost every year. Um, so it's, you know, it's a, it's a full-time thing. I don't take any time off really. So I get weeks here and there that, um, and actually next week we're going, I'm going to a music festival. So oh, really where? Um, Buena Vista, California. California. It's, uh, okay. it's kind of down by Bakersfield. It's called the lightning in the bottle, lightning in a bottle. Okay. What what type of festival genre? is it? Like yeah. any specific genre? Or is it just like Yeah, it's, I it's like more like EDM stuff. Okay. I think. Yeah. Uh, but and, we're going to see Grizz on Sunday night. That's that's the whole deal. And then we're gonna drive like sixteen hours to Portland right after. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh and then 
clearly you've been with MVP now for a couple of years. And I guess knowing that they have such a wide variety of offerings, are you ever concerned about, hey, I really want to go try this new disc or that new disc? Or do you feel like you're essentially really comfortable with what you have for a lineup and you're not worried about adding new shots or, or new you know, weapons, so to speak? I'm definitely not worried about it. I feel like I have like a really solid game um, of different speeds and stabilities that can kind of go through, that can handle any situations that I come into contact with. Um, however, MVP is pumping out so many new discs right now. Um, it's actually more of, uh, I have to, I have to stop throwing the new stuff, you know, cause I'm like really protective of my bag well, um, that, when it comes to new molds and stuff. Yeah. That's exactly, I guess what I was going with is I think about as, as these companies, especially MVP who keeps putting out so many new molds and you just have so many options, like does something look appealing? And you're like, well, I throw this pretty well. Maybe this will be better. And I just keep thinking like, is that, you know, are you just, are you in a good way? Are you stuck in your ways? Are you stuck with, you know, are you uh, fully content with what you have? Cause I could see it being almost overwhelming. Yeah. I am really stubborn. Um, (laughs) Very stubborn. Yeah. But uh, I am. I have been throwing a lot of the new stuff, and it's it's great. They came out with a fission crave. A like, crave is my money disc, and then they came out with a fission version. It goes so far. Uh, you. Had- I'm like, can I have a new signature disc? No, no. I love neutron craves. Go get them. They're great. You'll love them. They're, they're a staple in the back. Uh, we also saw a new teammate join you in Madison Walker this year, and she was you know relying on the MVP family to help get her discs up to speed and everything else. Do you guys compare any kind of notes when you're talking about what she's throwing versus what you're throwing? Is there, is there, is she, is she asking you for tips and pointers on particular molds or things where you're like, Hey, you should really try a blank. Yeah. So she's, she's definitely, we've, we've consulted a bit about her bag, um, but she, there's a totally different bag that I do. Okay. <laughs> we take it a, a completely different approach on, on the bag setup. So, I mean, honestly, I think it's kind of cool because, you know, she's, she's throwing like Teslas and servos and I'm throwing like traces and craves. Um, so it's like, they're just slightly different ticks um, of what's available. And I think, you know, she's a, a talented player and a veteran. So I think it's kind of cool that people can see these different setups in the bags of people who even throw similar, you know, we throw a similar distance. We have a similar power, but we're, our bags are set up completely different. So and she fun. also relies heavily pardon the pun, heavily on lighter weight discs when she can, right? And is that yeah. part of your game plan? It really isn't, is it? Like no, I don't, going after I don't lighter really, plastic? I only drop down the weight when I'm throwing over water and I want something that flies like it's beat in. Okay. So like if I, you know, I throw lower like a 172 crave, but if I'm throwing over water, I don't want to throw my favorite couple, <laughs> then I throw like a brand new lighter weight one and that flies real similar. It's not, it's not quite as buttery. But it does the job, and I can throw with confidence without being worried about losing it. Because if I lose it, I, I don't care. So just go to the drop zone. <laughs> so I'm gonna. I was gonna take a quick look, uh, but I'm sure you probably know off the top of your head what was. Uh, were you you didn't play OTB Open last year? Okay, I was gonna say what was it like last year? But you weren't at OTB and you weren't in Portland. I was here. In fact, well, this okay. is where I picked up my bubbas. <laughs> Wait. <no. laughs> 
This is going to give a super shout out to Bubby. Oh, wow. <laughs> so Raven was found at OTB last year. One of the, the oh, proto guys right. found her. Evan, actually. Shout Evan, out to yep, Evan. Found yep. her outside of his Airbnb. And now she's back in okay. her hometown this year. So I was nice. here, but I was injured last year. It was the first event I had to pull out of because of my nummy arm problem. Okay, yeah, because then you didn't play OTB, which is golf course, longer. You also then didn't play Portland, which was even longer. In fact, the longest, I believe, of the year. Um, what are kind of your thoughts going into these next two events? And you got that. And then also, obviously, a, a Milo and uh, mixed in there with uh, Beaver State Fling. Kind of what's your what's your outlook for those next few weekends? You know, it's really all about course design for me. Um, OTB, I played the round, I played around earlier today and the course is completely different. There's a couple sh- same holes, mm-hmm. but it's completely different. It's almost 10,000 feet. It is huge. Um, last, I mean, I'm, I can get maybe a little over half the birdies on the course. So it's, it's certainly not, um, a course that really plays to my strengths. Um, but as we saw, um, at De La Golf Course, which also does not play to my strengths, um, if you can minimize the bogeys and get a couple bonus birdies here and there, um, you can stay competitive. So I'm confident that, you know, if I can do that, uh, I can stay competitive. I do think that the distance throwers are going to have a huge advantage out here mm-hmm. um, at that end, um, Portland. Um, it's possible that, I mean, it's possible that my, Portland has been slightly redesigned. I know that Dustin's um, design kind of got mutilated um, when it came time for the tournament last year. So I'm really hoping that they went back to his original design. Okay. <clears throat> Pro tour. Because <laughs> um, he knows what he's doing, but not when they brutalize it and turn it, like make it way too long. Okay. So I'm hoping that they went back to Dustin's design because he knows what he's doing once again. Um, and then Milo, it was rumored two or three years ago before COVID that they were going to put in short tees for us because Milo's another tweener fest for the women. Yeah. Bunch of three and a halfs. Mm-hmm. You know, only half the course is available for birdie. Um, so I was rumored that they were going to do that a couple of years ago. Um, and I don't know if they're going to do that now coming back for the first time after two years. I don't know if they're going to do that. If the Jeffs are listening, most of the women agree that that should be a thing. So please do that if that's possible. (laughs) Um, yeah, course design has been a, a huge kind of thorn in my side over the last couple of years on the pro tour. I don't think that they're listening very well to female course designs or they're just not having women consult on course design. So um, that's a huge push. I'm hoping that the Players Council elects me, vote for Sarah, um, for the Player Advisory Committee so that I can make a more impactful uh, voice in that area. Well, it's funny because we heard, I mean, years ago when UDISC first kicked out that this was going to be a an engine for change. We we're going to be able to look at the statistics and see where, you know, holes that need to be changed and adjusted. You know, we can look at, Oh, look, none of the women got a birdie on this hole. Let's change it for next year. I, I, I'll i say I haven't seen much of that with the existing courses. No. So Steve Dodge was really good about it. I think he really got it when it comes to like 2016, 2017, 2018. And then once Steve Dodge was not in the picture on course design, I think that 
I haven't seen. I mean, year after year, I expect the exact same thing that you're talking about. I expect that the tournament directors and course designers look at the scoring and look at the holes and think, eh, that's not a good hole. You know, it's not scoring properly. That's not how a hole should score. Let's make an adjustment. And I continually see adjustments not being made. Um, so I'm baffled, actually, at because, I mean, the info is there. You know, I've been preaching this and I've been saying, hey, I don't think that's that great of a hole, but there was no stats to back it back it up. Right. Um, but there's stats. I, you know, I don't even feel like I should be the one who has to be like, hey, uh, did you look at these four holes? Because uh, nobody's getting them. Like it's it's not we might as well not play them. In fact, there's there's such bad holes, um, but things don't change. So um, I don't know the answer to that. If anybody knows the answer to that. Help a girl out because I I am that this that's the thing that is not happening right now that I think is a huge disservice to the FPO field. Not only just for the players themselves, but for the people watching. Like it's so boring watching everyone get a par. Or you throw super far and then you lay up a putt and then you tap it in. <laughs> it's boring. I don't like playing that kind of golf. I don't like watching that kind of golf. And if they want FPO views. Make it good golf. It's not, ain't that hard. If maybe if, it is. Well, uh, I'm sure. I'm sure there are difficulties in adjusting existing courses to fit, which traditionally, as we know, all know, have been probably built for men to to find that same hole and adjust it for women. Because it's not always a matter of just, oh, let's put the tee pad a hundred feet closer. It's not always that easy. Um, it, some you know we do want to make different shots and, and test different things. So I can sometimes maybe understand the difficulty in some holes, but I think you're right in that we haven't seen enough of it. Like if if you have a few holes out there that everybody's like two or three holes on the course that everybody's parring, maybe there's not a good way to put a, a, a an FPO pad out there, but we're seeing it for more than just that. I'll say that. So, yeah, I mean, when I can win a tournament and I can't get to over half the holes on either course, like, what is that? Like that? It makes no sense to me. So like in, in all of this conversation, I guess uh, the, to turn it into uh, the other way to look at it is what course or courses right now, if if you said, hey, that is a model or that's a course or that's a layout that I I most identify with as uh, appropriately, I don't want to say just design, but appropriately challenges our FPO field. Is there any course that right off the top of your head, you're like, yes, that course gets it or has it. Is there any off the top of your head that that we could point Waco. to? OK, Waco. Yeah. Waco not only has open and woods. But they have a you know achievable birdies. Okay, you know, like you don't have to throw four hundred feet to get the birdies on that course. You know, like I mean, here's the deal. Like I get it that there's like we got the Ellas of the world and we got these like distance throwers that throw four hundred feet. You know, we got them. But you know, so are the men they got those guys that throw six hundred feet. Um, but you don't see six hundred foot par threes for the men. But we see 400 foot par threes for the women. Like they're not using the same standards to put course design in for the women as the men. I mean, you ask an average distance male in the MPO field how many times he gets to a course and he can't get half the holes. 
because he doesn't throw far enough. I mean, he he won't get to he will only have I've asked this I've asked this of the MPO field average distance throwers, not elite distance average. And they say they're every once in a while, one, maybe two holes they get to and not even every tournament, one or two holes every once in a while they can't get to for birdie. Now, they may choose to lay up. They may choose risk. You know, the risk reward may not make sense to go for the birdie, but it's not because they can't get there. But then me, average distance thrower in the FPO, half the holes are out of reach. Like, get out of here with that. I get it that these women can get these holes, some of them. But also, um, that's not golf. Like, holes shouldn't be just out of range. Like, par three should be available to nearly everyone in the field. But right now, par threes are the hardest ones to get because they're like 360, 380, 420. You know, like, what is that? Like, we're just, I mean, the courses are just straight up designed to give the elite distance throwers an extra advantage than they already get. You know, if you make that a 340, 330, 320 hole, they still can get there, but so can the rest of the field. But they get to throw a mid or a, or a fairway driver, whereas I got to throw a distance driver. Much more difficult shot, um, but it still gives me access to the birdie. Right. I, think, I mean, and that's where that's where a course science yeah. really missing the mark. And they're just like leaving the rest of the field completely out of the birdie looks. And I think that's the the main crux of it. Like, I, I don't think those 380 foot par threes are out of the question. I just think we need to see a lot less of them because we we should we should be catering some holes to your furthest throwers. They should have an advantage when they walk up to par some holes. And par fives, though. Par fours even, and par fives. I think even par threes at, at once in a while. I think you could walk up and say, this is a 380-foot a par three, but I don't want to see I don't want to see a bunch of them. I think you're right. I think if, like the men, if you see a one a, a, a weekend, two a weekend, maybe, maybe that's even too much, but there should be holes where you walk up and you go, oh, well, uh, cool. This is, this is clearly put together for this person or par fours that way or par fives. I think, but I do agree that I I would like to see even honestly. I think Simon had had a, a little video about this today. I'd like to see more short holes for the men. I want to see more three hundred and thirty foot shots for the men. I want to see more, uh, you know, make them a little bit more technical. I, I I don't need I don't need to see, and maybe I'm unique here, an eleven thousand foot course ever in my life for any course practically, because it's it's not usually enjoyable for me i don't know yeah and it's like i feel like i think that the core a lot of course design has moved to just lengthening instead of difficulty you know give me difficulty all day long Mm. right i don't want this course to be easy but when it's out of range it sucks you know and also it takes away all the risk reward right like I'm not even throwing any flex shots out at OTB hardly. I mean, in my practice rounds, I'm just throwing power hyzers because it doesn't make any sense for me to take any risk to get to some of these holes because I can't get there anyway. So I'm only making my approach 30 feet shorter by throwing a risky shot. So, I mean, risk reward is out of the question. And that's, and that's like almost the definition of golf, you know? So like, that's my thing is like, it's boring when I got to play these kind of courses because I don't get to, I don't get to make the fun choices. I don't get to throw the fun shots. I just have to take my medicine and power hyzer it up there and lay up a bunch. Yeah. And I, and I think, uh, I understand where you're coming from. I think this should continue to be obviously, uh, 
a conversation that's held with tournament directors, with course designers, with everybody in mind. I think the the main pushback, as Johnny just alluded to, is always just sometimes our power throwers feel like, hey, you're taking you're taking our advantage away by doing that. And I and I agree with what you're saying no, that you they have the option to the, throw slower discs. That is the most amateur freaking um, thing anybody can say. <laughs> well, they worked so much harder than you for that distance that they deserve some holes because they did all these things that you can't do, right? That let's let's just like to me that is like the most amateur way to think about it. You know, like they get an advantage on every hole already, right? Distance throwers. Right, you know this, Terry. I know you know this, but I'm 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 just trying to put all of I'm trying to put all of the the issues and the comments out on the table because I've heard them from every angle. So I want to present because you know I I hear where you're saying and and follow everything you're saying, and then I'm just pointing out what others would sometimes rebut with, which is hey. You know, why should I get punished? Why shouldn't I be rewarded for having more power? That's not that's not a me right. problem. That's a Sarah problem. You know, and right. that yeah. so no. I'm, I'm just putting I it out it there the so time. that the viewers, you know, and everyone else isn't just thinking like, you know, we're I, I don't know that there's no, no other points honestly, of view Gary, we're considering. I almost brought that up before you even said it. <laughs> <laughs> I literally was thinking that I was like, I got to make sure everybody understands what we're talking about here. Yeah. Okay. And, and I, and I, no, I do have to, like, I say, I do have to yeah, wonder the, if in the next 10 years, we're going to see more people like Ella and we're going to have to make, you know, if the courses are going to have to shift, but again, we're, we can't predict what's going to happen in the future. We might, we might not see a big jump in FPO distance. Like, like we think with Evelina and Hannah and the, and those women, I don't know. Maybe you're yeah, at some point you're three hundreds. Yeah, we may have we may have seen what the max is or we may not have yet. I agree. We are seeing people coming from a young age and training their whole lives at this point um, as um, throwers. And we're seeing these, you know, some of the elite distance come from that. Um, So I definitely think there's going to be more players with that elite distance for sure. Um, Will they throw farther than 450 or something? I don't know. Uh, only time will tell. But as we've seen in all of sports and golf, we don't make, uh, you know, can't like design courses for, you know, 10 years from now. You know, we have enough flexibility in course design now and course design is important enough that courses should be designed for the players existing on the courses now, you know, to make a good golf for the people out there now, not because, oh, we're planning for the future. Uh, I don't think so. (laughs) um yeah but just real quick just to reiterate like distance throwers just that philosophy that maybe has eluded some players and maybe that's why you know they think that it's okay to have these extra long um distances like a distance thrower gets to throw a slower speed speed disc on every hole they get to throw a mid when i'm throwing a fairway a fairway when i'm throwing a distance driver um, they can throw a power hyzer when I have to throw a flex shot. Um, distance throwers always have the advantage, no matter almost no matter how long the hole is. The only thing a distance thrower really struggles with, I think, is when they throw too far. Basically, they throw farther than like a lot of times I can throw as far as I can. And I can't get to the OB. <laughs> And a distance thrower is going to have to disc down and throw a, maybe a more technical shot in order to avoid deep out of bounds. 
um, which uh, a shorter thrower doesn't have come into play. Which we actually right. we actually saw that on the what, whole seven was a whole 17 that one of the reasons why you you took home the victory because Ella went deep on her throw, skipped into the road and then two putted three putted from there. Um, she took um, and also Cat went OB on that same road. Yeah, I missed Cat, but yes, I, I saw uh, I, I saw Ella's yeah. particularly, which you know because she was kind of the one that was pushing you back and forth from the other card. And there was, and I would have to throw an inadvertent yeah. roller to hit that road. <laughs> so, so seeing Ella do that is exactly the the type of uh, shot you're talking about. All yeah, right. So you know, but uh, yeah, that's I guess I think uh, we fixed it off on that little tangent. <laughs> you know, but that's what we're here for. Like the one thing I'm still very passionate about that is mm-hmm. still not fixed. There's so many great things that the Pro Tour and the PDJ have done for women over the years. They really have like the improvements. I mean, I gave a talk years ago at a symposium and nearly every single thing that um, we asked for in that symposium has been done. Would you that know, be and the it has made women's symposium I mean, that we broadcast years ago? That one. Yeah. Yeah, that one. It was like 2013 or I don't even know. It was a long time ago, 2015. <laughs> um, anyway, but nearly everything has happened, um, you know, and not by accident. You know, people have been putting effort and a lot of time and energy and money into women's women's sports and disc golf. And um, so it's it's been happening. Um, but this thing, this one thing is still not there. <laughs> so uh, as we start to wrap up, I want to ask what with with everything that the successes we've had and the progress we have had, what would you say makes for the most exciting thing that excites you about women's disc golf right now? Like what, what should fans be excited about? Well, maybe they know it, maybe they don't, but what insight or thoughts do you have that are like, Hey, this is why I'm excited about women's disc golf. And this is why the rest of the world should be excited about disc golf. Is there any one or two things you could pinpoint right now that like really get you well like, i mean heck yeah here the we most are obvious is the parody in okay. the fpo division you know we've already had a bunch of different winners this year mm-hmm. and i think that that makes things extremely exciting um the fact that you know i mean i came off the chase card um we had you know ella battling for her first win um and we're we're gonna see that more um so i would say definitely the parody in the women's side of the sport and then um you know women's uh u.s women's national championships has over 350 registrants i played in like 2007 when there was like 50 and then like there was like the women's nationals used to be the hardest tournament to cash in as an fpo player because there'd be like 13 women or 10 you know, there'd be so few women at this major championship. Um, so the fact that there's 350 um, and I think, gosh, there's like uh, there might be like 100 FPOs, over 80, 100. 90, 100, something there's like over that. 100, I believe. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'm going to quick I mean, fact check that, but I'm almost positive it's over 100 uh, S, uh, FPOs in the, the USWDGC. So, so, yeah, coming yeah. on back to Wisconsin, you've had some, uh, I was going to say luck, but you've <laughs> played some good golf and been fortunate to uh, walk away with uh, some solid performances here in Wisconsin. You excited to come to Madison in a, in a few weeks? I am. I ha- that, that community is really supportive of women's disc golf and um, has some great courses. So I'm looking forward to seeing what I can do out there. Awesome. I'm looking 101. 
women, FPO, FPO signed up. And, and then as we were just saying, yeah, 347. I know they had to expand it. I know it, you know, very quickly, uh, you know, started filling up and then there was an expansion in terms of the divisions. So pretty cool to see 24, uh, in the, uh, FP 48 in the FP 50, so on and so forth, but 101 women in the open division. And that's, I mean, that's effing insane. That's beyond I mean, awesome. Three, let's see, three or four years ago, that was the number we had in the whole tournament. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, yeah, that's amazing. Uh, testament to all the people that are pushing women's disc golf. I mean, really, at the local levels, uh, regional, national, it, you guys, thank you guys for what you guys do for the women. And you did, you know, and you still do, but man, early years, you guys were the only ones doing it. So thank you. Yeah, we're more than happy to. So, Sarah, we're going to let you go. You have other plans and other activities. Any any uh, thing you want to share with the world that uh, is happening on your side? I just want to wish Chris to go and my my lovely boyfriend a huge happy birthday. He's turned he's turning 42 today and um, we're going to go celebrate after this is over. Well, heck yeah. Well, it's happy over. Birthday. We're going to let you go so you can go celebrate. Uh, I said it earlier, but uh, Chris, happy birthday as well from all the Smashies. Um, keep killing it out there. It's uh, awesome. Hey there. How you doing? Uh, there <laughs> we go. Now we see you. This is our emoji shirt that we came up with. Bang <laughs> oh, chains. Love it. <laughs> and that's my little logo. So, I love it. Um, yeah. Those will be where on can my we get one of those? Too. Yeah. Where can we get one of those? Yeah. Well, SarahHookham.com, but don't go there yet because it's okay. not live. <laughs> okay. Well, it, when it will be live or maybe in person uh, at a, a vendor fly mart or something uh, sometime later in the year, those will be available, I'm guessing. Yes. Yes. Very soon. Yes. All right. Well, like, Sarah, I'm talking like a week. So okay. Stay tuned. <laughs> All right. Uh, Sarah, thank you for joining. Congratulations. Uh, a hard fought, very exciting victory. Awesome to see it, and uh, we hope that this is going to continue trending in the direction you want to be. Best of luck over these next uh, couple of weeks, and we know they're going to be long, but uh, best of luck to you, and looking forward to seeing you out on the road here soon. Yeah, I'm going to play some par golf and try to minimize the bogeys. (laughs) Um, Thanks so much for having me on, and um, shout out to uh, my sponsors, MVP Disc Sports, Paragon Disc Golf, Zuka Inc., and Mitten Bags. All right, everyone, that's Sarah Holcomb, your Masters Cup champion. Thanks for joining us, Sarah. Be safe, travel safely, all that good stuff. We'll see you soon. See y'all. See ya. As we said, Sarah Holcomb getting it done. It was exciting. And FPO has been more exciting this year than MPO, hands down. I mean, it's it's just in general a, a almost, I mean, it's been more fun to watch FPO than it has NPO. I'm I'm gonna just gonna say it. The yeah. the competition has been better. The uh the, the the races have been tighter. It is yeah. It's it's good. Awesome. Uh also I uh, did you see that we've got a, a special um submission that came in earlier from our friends over at Ace Run. Maybe we could uh I do. Do you have that ready to go by chance? I do. Speaking Holy of cow. women in the FPO field, we have one disc, one tip with Lisa Fakus. Well, heck yeah. Let's get to that. And on the other side of one disc, one tip, I think we're going to have another very special guest. We'll see you soon. All right.
everybody, welcome back to the channel. We've got another one disc, one tip segment today, and we've got Innova Sponsored Pro, Miss Lisa Fakus. Hello, Lisa. Hey, nice to be here. Nice to be here with you. Thank you for doing this with us. Thank you, Felix. Thank you. So we're out here at WR Jackson, a treacherous course. You've been out here playing disc golf for a while, taking on courses like this on tour, but how long have you actually been playing the sport of disc golf? I started playing disc golf in the summer of 2005, Ooh. the year after I graduated high school, and I've been playing ever since. Wow. So you've got a wealth of experience. You've been with Innova for a while now, a lot of cool discs that they have, but if you can pick one disc in your bag that you think can help anybody's game, mm -hmm. what disc would that be? Um, so kind of talking beginner style, the one disc that I would pick to um, suggest is a Roadrunner. It's speed nine. It's a controllable fairway disc. It's got a lot of glide. It's got a lot of turn. So it's something that um, newer players can work with. You can put on different angles and watch it fly different ways. So it's a very controllable disc. We hear that a lot, especially when you're a beginner, getting that disc, it kind of gets you that distance and just kind of brings you back more and more to the course. Yes, definitely. Um, something that's not super fast or super overstable, um, that's what you want to lean on when you're first starting out. So a great tip. We'll have the description down below where you can get your hands on a Roadrunner. And switching gears real quick, Lisa, look at that beauty. Check her out. <laughs> Thinking about the mental side, the physical side, like we said, you've been doing this for a while. If you can impart some knowledge and give us one tip that you think can help anybody's game, what tip would that be? Uh, the tip that I was thinking about is angle control and just working the different angles and putting on a hyzer, straight shot, and an anhyzer release. So we're talking about hyzer release, straight release, and anhyzer release. And working those different angles and watching the disc fly and seeing all the options that you have. There you go. Get out in the field and practice those angles. And where can these guys follow along with you on social media? Yeah, um, you can follow me Instagram, Facebook, and I have a face. Uh, excuse me, a website, LisaFakus.com. My socials are at LisaFakus, so um, find me online there. And uh, you know, shout out to my sponsors. I got Innova Disc Golf. I got Pound Disc Golf, uh, Flight Tell, Groundbound, Throw Pink, and Gorilla Disc Golf. So thank you guys for your support. Awesome. Appreciate the time again for doing this, Lisa. Yeah, thank you. Big shout out to all of you there at Smashbox. Thank you so much for viewing these segments, guys. And as always, from us at Ace Run Productions, let's run it. All right. Welcome back. Thank you so much to the guys over there at Ace Run Productions and Lisa Fakus. All right. We're going to see. We're working out. we got a technical challenge here that we're going to try and work through. We'll see if we can get another Sarah to join us. And I'm talking about Sarah Nicholson. Uh, she's got some exciting stuff. I know we were just uh, really, uh, what's the word, um, excitedly talking about where we're seeing women's disc golf going and, and how it's continuing to grow and the the successes that we're having in Sarah, I think is going to actually build on that, but it's going to take just a moment for us to make sure we can get connected with her. In the meantime, Johnny's going to pull up some uh, other tournament results from this weekend and see what was happening around the PDGA outside of what we were just talking about at the master's cup. Well, let's talk uh, about the MPO side of the master's cup. Oh, there you go. They played too, I guess. I, I mean, it wasn't nearly as exciting. Actually, it was pretty exciting. Uh, Gannon Burr takes this one with, uh, over one stroke over Matteo. Sorry, kind of. I saw our guest jump into our green room there. Uh, third tied for second place was James Conrad at 23 under par. One stroke behind them. Chris Clemens, who is a name that we haven't heard much of in the top 10 or top five this year. Uh, Lori Lettinen tied for fifth with Josh Anthon. Uh, Five-way tie for seventh place. Chandler Fry, Anthony Barella, Paul McBeth, 
Andrew Miranda, who did not accept cash. Looks like he's going to be making a run at that Am World Championship. He was the Am winner from the week previous, mm-hmm. and he had a phenomenal showing. A lot of times we see a player like that kind of get into the scene and not be able to compete, but he absolutely showed up. Uh, and then the other final tie was Austin Hannum. So that was your that's basically your top 11, so to speak, uh, all tied for seventh. All right. And a big shout out, Scott Dimmig, who I stayed with a few years ago. Last time we covered, I was there to uh, help cover the Masters Cup. He's kind of the the local guy that not only plays and volunteers and helps out and is just this uh, incredible resource there. He sometimes gives me little heads up. And before this tournament happened this weekend, he said, uh, yeah, this Miranda kid won the AM very impressive, super supportive family. He's just 16. He's an absolute baller. Super good. He told me all this like two days before the tournament. I was like, okay, cool. We'll see. <laughs> then this this uh, Andrew goes on and has an incredible weekend. Ties for seventh, as you said. Uh, yeah, so Scott was spot on with it. Even maybe, mo- of course, more impressively, the fact that Miranda did what he did, had, the, I believe, the hottest round out of all competitors during round two, uh, and just so incredibly impressive. So, man, you got to think, tying for seventh at this event, winning it a few weeks earlier, I you... Am Am Nationals, Am Worlds, and and maybe some college considerations, maybe. But dude, tied for seventh at this event. To me, in general, I t- I tend to believe if you're an Am player, for the most part, take the cash. It would have been about eight hundred. Uh, it would have been about eight hundred twenty-five dollars. How close are we to Am Worlds? Like, that's the kind of thing. Like, if Am Worlds, if you're maybe you're already registered, you're kind of ready to get there, you're ready to go. I, there are instances at which, in general, I kind of do feel like, all right, maybe you, maybe you push off the cash and you take 17 piles of discs if it's offered or, or whatever it might be. But, uh, I, I can understand if it were earlier in the season. And we're not that far into the season, but maybe a little earlier, I, I can understand saying. Yeah, I'd love to. I'll, I'll have to check in with him because yeah. I'm not seeing him. Text he's, him right now. He's, he's registered <laughs> for the OTB this weekend, and he's not registered or on the list right now for AM Worlds. And maybe there's some stipulation he can't take it. We, we've heard we've seen things like that for in the past with college students, you know, can't go yeah, pro, he, so to speak. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know the answer. In general, if you're not going to Am Worlds or USADGC, take the money. It would have been different, and this is my last point on it. If he finished like tied for last cash, and there's like nineteen dollars, and he's like, okay, maybe I'm not quite there yet. He tied for seven. Tied Paul Macbeth and tied Paul Macbeth and beat a whole bunch of really good top level professionals. Uh, again, I understand if he's going to some other big Am event that he has on a, his site set on, but I'm looking at his PDGA. Uh, uh, Ace profile right says now maybe the nadgt May, yeah maybe that's it so either way certainly a bright future ahead of him and someone who knows a little something rather about pdga about women's disc golf about being an incredible promoter advocate for the game and everyone else and and i'm waiting for that time we sit down and do some commentary together we've got sarah nicholson hey how are you guys I, doing hey sarah. wonderful how are you doing 
Great. Thanks for having me. I'm halfway awake. So uh, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully since this is recorded for forever, I don't say anything too ridiculous. Ah, well, too late because we say stupid stuff every single week. So <laughs> when you record enough, your stupid stuff gets lost. Yes. It's wonderful. <laughs> it's the long yeah, game we're playing. the after show. That's my favorite of all your stupid uh, stuff. Now, now, Sarah, you have admitted that some nights you fall asleep uh, to the droning on and on of our two voices. So first of all, we we're do, sorry. Yeah, we're sorry. <laughs> and second of all, we, we genuinely appreciate your, uh, your commitment to being here as a smashy most of the weeks. And uh, so we thank you for that. So we're glad to have you. And you probably just heard what we were talking about with Sarah. Let's real quickly just touch on U.S. Uh, nationals for the women here in Madison, you know, 45 minutes or an hour from where Johnny and I are. How crazy is it with 347 women signed up? I mean, crazy. Uh, the uh, U.S. Women's was my third event ever in 2008 in Alabama. And it really like the energy of that event is what got me hooked on competitive disc golf and is what put me on the journey that I'm on now to create more competition for women. So the fact that it's grown to like so much that there's, I mean, gosh, 101 FPO women like. That's that's insane. So, I mean, I think Sarah, it's, it's hard to follow Sarah Holcomb. I told Terry this earlier. I was like, I am the opening act, okay? And she's the headliner, like you guys. I mean, this is this is why. Um, but, uh, but yeah, she nailed it. I mean, it, we've come a long way, but we still have a long way to go. So Yeah. Uh, so, again, talking about uh, that event and how it's kind of propelled you or, or maybe inspired you a little bit. Just for anyone that maybe doesn't know you as well as we do, just quick, give us a, uh, a little bit of your background and what your journey's been in in the professional disc golf sense of of what you've you know been part of in terms of promoting golf. Yeah, um, gosh. Well, I started playing in 2008, and then I ran my first tournament in 2010. It was a charity event uh, in Columbia, South Carolina, and then I started working for the PDGA in 2011. Um, Went to all the world championships, uh, started with Rochester, New York, the Am World, and went to all those um, through 2015. Um, and then I took over, uh, they just had the Magnolia Open this past weekend yep. at the International Disc Golf Center. I took that over from Addie and Carolyn, who actually started that. And uh, that really sparked Throw Pink um, for me, running that event. And it was a charity event. It was fun, but competitive, um, which is, you know, basically the, the premise of all Throw Pink events. It's fun, competitive, and let's raise some money for charity. Um, and that all started, you know, right there at the Magnolia Open. Um, and that's kind of my journey. I um, My full-time job now uh, is with uh, Innova Disc Golf. So I've been working with those guys uh, since 2017. Um, and then running Throw Pink. Um, it's my nonprofit. I've been running that on the side um, since we started in 2013. It became an official 501c3 in 2019. I've been able to put some more time behind it. And the goal is to eventually not have two full-time jobs and to be able to, you know, transition over uh, and just do throw pink. But I want to make sure it's sustainable and it's not one of those things where I'm, I go all in and then, you know, I can't 
uh, I can't pay for my Wi-Fi to do my job, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or even worse, I can't buy food, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you're, you're preaching to the choir. We know all too well about yeah. uh, just in the sense that like you, you have a, you have your regular job and what you're doing in promoting golf. And then you also have your passion project, which you're trying to turn into so much more and you want to see it grow and thrive and succeed. And I, I feel, you know, like we're, we're all in a similar position, you know, in a, in slightly different different paths, but still all in the same boat uh, when it comes to that. So certainly hear what you're saying. Um, what is what is upcoming for you uh, this weekend? Because it sounds like there's something really unique that you're spearheading. So tell us about it. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I actually, I'll go ahead and just, just out myself. I messaged Terry earlier and, and practically, I didn't actually want to be on the show. I wanted him <laughs> to plug it for me. And I was going to be in the comments just making my usual like snide remarks or just reading everyone else's snide remarks. But he's like, no, no, you can, you can come on. And yeah. I didn't really. Yeah. I didn't really have an excuse because I knew I'd still be up working on the events. <laughs> I couldn't really want to be asleep. Um, but yeah, so coming up this weekend um, in North Cove, uh, where they just had the College Disc Golf Championship uh, in Marion, North Carolina, we're having uh, the Throw Pink Women's uh, Team Championship. Um, and as far as I know, I've done a lot of research. I want to reach out to uh, Stork because he seems to know everything and make sure I didn't miss anything. But I believe this to be the only women's only that's a lot of onlys uh team event in the game we've got a lot of team events um, but this is the only one that's just just women and it's um we have 30 teams and the teams are uh, modeled after college disc golf so there's four women on each team um so that's 120 women so super pumped about that and we've got women from ages 10 uh, uh to i don't want to say, say how old sandy is she might kill me but but she signs up for the 65 plus division so we know she's over 65 so um but yeah i've got world champions from junior world champions masters world champions and sarah cunningham and Paige Shu are going to be there my fpo world champions so i mean this event is i mean we got donna Barr is going to be in there so we've got so many we have movers and shakers and competitors and then we also, what's cool about it, have a ton of new women that are new to tournament play. Some of them just got their PGA number. Some of them don't have a PGA number yet. So it's just about kind of bringing all the women together for some competition, fun, and, you know, just, I don't know, I think it's almost like the symposium that, you know, we did with you guys a while ago. It's just about also educating. We're going to educate each other while we're there having a good time. You can bounce ideas off of each other and, and all that kind of stuff. So... I mean, that's that's basically the, the gist of it. Ace Run is going to be there. I know they're on the, the chat, so I better give them a shout out. Um, <laughs> they're going to do they're going to film um, the, both rounds of coverage. But also what's important to me is getting some like uh, some B-roll stuff. Like, yeah. I mean, we don't have a lot of stuff where you see women just having a good time. And I think that beginner women seeing that kind of stuff and not just watching you know, FPO women that are very good. Um, it, you know, that's important too. They got to see it to be it, but it's also important to see other women like you throwing a disc and having a good time to, to get the new players in. So I'm excited about that. It's funny. Cause I think, I think in the past USWDGC, I kind of always felt like a big reunion for the women, a big family gathering. And in the past few years, I feel like that's starting to change. It's becoming more of a, like a capital M major, like people take it very seriously. There's let, I don't say there's less fun to be had, but people go there with a different attitude. Um, So to see something like this, where you're saying a hundred plus 
women with a lot of them being beginners. Cause you said yourself, your, your third event was, a, was the major USWD. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's crazy to me. If you ask anybody now, what, you know, your third event was a major. We, I don't think you can do that anymore. <laughs> I, I don't think the PDGA lets you unless you, your first two <laughs> events are thousand rated or something. So to have more events like this, I think is really going to help continue to expand the women's game. Yeah, yeah, that's my hope. I mean, when I started this, so when I worked for the PGA, we actually started the Women's Global Event. And I was sitting in the board meeting when Chuck Kennedy, because the global event was actually Chuck's idea. And a lot of times that gets like lost. (laughs) Because, but I remember sitting in that board meeting and and to be fair, Chuck does bring up a lot of crazy ideas, but like everyone was like global event. No, Chuck, that's never going to, it's never going to work, Chuck. It's never going to work. Crazy idea. And so we, he did the one in 2011 that was like for everyone. And then the PJ Women's Committee was like, well, let's just do this. We should do this for the women. So we did it, you know, just for the women in 2012. And I mean, look at it. It's, I mean, I don't have the numbers. I probably should have called Vic and asked him, but I, I feel like that event has gotten thousands of new, maybe not thousands, that's hundreds of new women members just from that event alone because they want to be a member so they can get their rating and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, yeah. And it, talk about the emphasis on, women's only events yeah usw dgc clearly you know the front runner in that or the earliest adopter of that concept you know dating all the way back to 1999 but then we see more and more specific women's only events that popped up i think about texas and the and the the daisy chains and i think about the east coast and uh, obviously in in michigan the disc girls gone wild so on and so forth there's a bunch of of really good ones or this weekend's ladies at the heartland open in huntington indiana exactly so talk about um talk about what that means for women's disc golf just in general and and maybe some of the feedback that that comes from those events um yeah i mean i think sarah talked about this a little bit but more from the pro standpoint oh i knew my dog was going to find this <laughs> i hit all of them <laughs> not well enough <laughs> i know I, I don't know how he found one um but sarah talked about this a little bit you know as far as like the teapad conversation and just like mm-hmm. designing the tees and the course for the women and for the game and i think that's what women only events why they're so successful at, at getting more women playing and more women sign up for them I'm so sorry um, but because it's like they're thinking about the women and they're tailoring it specifically for the women and, and adding little little tidbits of things and stuff for that. And I mean, we're in a you know mixed division event. <laughs> Louis looks like really wants to make an appearance in my in, in my social media and, uh, and also on YouTube. Really I, I mean, we've already you know had one dog on tonight. You didn't have any technical difficulties, so my dog is going to add that to the, All good. Uh, to the, to the show for us. Really sorry. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I just think that it's about making the woman feel welcome. And when it's a women's only event and everything's tailored and specifically designed for the women, it makes them feel welcome. And I, as a TD, I know there's a thousand things that you have to think about. And sometimes when it's an event for everyone, it's, it's hard to get those details that I think are essential to bringing more women into the game. Yeah. So you said that this we, uh, this team event you're doing this weekend, uh, you know, kind of mirrors or, or is based off of uh, what we saw for the college event. So 
at some level, detailed or high level, kind of tell us what that means uh, for everyone that maybe wasn't familiar with the the college format. Oh yeah, sorry, I just kind of—I mean, I just assumed it was just a big deal. It's major. (laughs) Yes, yes, (laughs) yeah. So it's it's a really kind of cool concept. It's harder to explain than it is to actually implement. So the teams of four uh, are split into two teams or two doubles pairs. So it's like you've got your your team, you got your doubles A and your doubles B, right? So the maybe it's easier to say. It's on my event page. I wrote it out so the ladies could read it because when I explain it, it sounds so ridiculous. So let's say you've got your odds and your evens. That's better. So you've got two two players on your team that will tee off on the odd holes. So then the even players will pick which shot they like best of those two throws, and they'll take it, and they get to throw twice from that throw. Mm. And then the then the, the odd players pick from there until it goes in the basket. So basically it's like alternate shot but with Beth shot. It's I, I told John he needs to do like a like a little cartoon <laughs> skit to explain it because <laughs> it's really hard to explain. No, I mean, it sounds like a unique format that definitely um, is, I'm going to say more creative than just your standard best shot or your standard alternate shot. There's definitely more strategy that can be involved. And we see that at places like the world championships where it's not just, you know, uh, it's a modified best shot or a, a modified alternate shot or whatever the case might be and rotating partners and, you know, whatever. I've seen all sorts of rotating. Yeah, I've seen all sorts of different formats. And I think that keeps it fresh and exciting and and in some ways, maybe I don't want to say evens out the fields, but um, yeah, I, I guess it, it in some ways um, it makes it more strategic. Yeah, strategic, I guess is yeah, it's probably the best word for it. So yeah, yeah, and that's that you nailed it. I mean, it's a lot of strategy and a lot of teamwork, and I think that's what we're missing in disc golf as far as getting more women in. Because like, if you look at ultimate, um, the proportion of men and women players is I think it's like thirty percent. Women to men versus disc golf, which is like eight to ten, depending on what week you look at the report. And I think that that speaks volumes to the the team camaraderie. You know, like people, the women want to be a part of a team. You know, and, and feel like they're working together for something. And you know, I've, I've only had one drop from the 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 event, and I in all of my other events, I would have had like five to ten by this point. And I think that attributes to I don't want to let my team down. You know, <laughs> so I'm going to come and be a part of the team. So. I think the camaraderie of that is going to give us what we're missing at disc golf that they have in ultimate. All right, let's get down to the real business, which is <laughs> what extracurriculars are planned. Was there, is there um, any uh, is there any nightly uh, evening activities so. or <laughs> gatherings? Anything else going on? Well, it's a you know it's a one day, and we're we're okay. out in Mar- we're out in Marion, uh, North Carolina. So we're kind of out. It's kind of out in the middle. But I think some of the girls are going to a show on Saturday night after the event. Um, but we do so they have Airbnbs on the property, and they have an inn on the property, and then there's tons of Airbnbs in the area just because it's kind of a resort, um, kind of tourist area. So what most of the women did was come up and they got uh, you know an Airbnb house um, with their team and make it like a girl weekend. So they're coming up for. Friday, they'll do a practice round. We'll do early check-in, um, and then we'll do the two rounds on Saturday. But I do have uh, a karaoke machine. Um, I know, and so there's like there's a restaurant on the property. So I'm going to decorate um, the restaurant up, and we've got some games, and we're going to crown a team 
putting champion, uh, where all their scores combined for the, the grand total. And I also have an on the game um, accuracy uh, challenge. So we're going to crown an accuracy champion. Um, didn't do distance because it's like, eh, I just kind of, I felt like that was deflating for a lot of the new girls and there's just not a lot of space for it and just not a lot of time for it. But the accuracy challenge is cool. It's going to be elevated and I've got this, these bullseye poles on the ground. So I think hopefully Ace Run is listening. They're going to get a good film of that. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> no, the t- or video, the- I guess. I just dated myself by saying film. <laughs> Re- be just- kind, rewind the VCR of yours. <laughs> yours. <laughs> uh, sorry, maybe I missed it. The teams, are, are those assigned by you? Or were they, they, they came up with their own teams and everyone shows up or? Yeah, they came up with their own teams. Um, so I did sanction it this year. I'm still waiting for the PDGA to come up with like a D tier. I don't know, better name than a D tier. But I'd like to have more events. Like the events that I like to run I, are more like leagues, but I want them to be tournaments. Um, so I want it to be more casual. Um, so it's not like as intense, but it would be cool to get it sanctioned just so it could be, you know, on the PGA website and, and be a part of that. Um, but it just didn't, I didn't have a tier that it fit and I didn't want it to be in, intimidating for, you know, for the women. Um, but the teams, I did work with Andrew Sweden. I said all that to say this because a big dog um, helped me out. And what I did was a rating snapshot um, on February 8th, the last, the February ratings update which is weird, but I didn't want anyone to get last minute and be like, oh, you can't be on a team anymore because your yeah. rating went up, you know? So I just, but I did a cap of 3,500. So each mm. team can't have more than 3,500, which is actually pretty easy to do, but it keeps one team from, you know, having Sarah Holcomb. And I mean, we're, you know, like you can't stock it up with all FPS. Sure. So if you if you have a high 900 rated player, you're going to have to get a 700 rated player which is great. It encourages them to get more new players to come out because they need them because they need them for their rating. Um, so that's kind of my setup. You know, this is, I, I ran this in 2019, um, but it was much smaller and we only had seven teams and then the pandemic kind of shut it down. So this is our big year. So I'm kind of playing around with that, you know, so smashies, if you have any suggestions for 2023, throw that out there. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm thinking too, uh, you know, especially maybe being unsanctioned, but I'm thinking uh, there there should be some kind of prizes or or awards for most creative team names. Uh, I feel like, uh, I I mean, are you encouraging like some crazy team names or is it like, oh, the O-Town girls? Oh, yeah. Something. Well, they're they're disky business. These women, uh, they're very creative. You have to exactly. go look at the event page. Look at the okay. event page on this Gov scene. It's got some crazy names. But yeah, okay. we'll do a prize for best team name. And then I got them all these big. Um, see, if anyone's listening, Terry, I'm going to ruin all the surprises. So <laughs> I got them these big like banners, um, like the corrugated banners and uh, big like tables they can decorate their own team banner and they can Ah. actually stick in the ground if they want or wave it in front of the other team so i'm doing some shenanigans uh out there so i mean honestly it sounds like a blast i mean it sounds absolutely awesome what is the entry fee is that something that you, you you were concerned about you know a barrier whether it's entry fee childcare uh, bathrooms those are all kind of like the the must hit you know uh concerns or barriers uh what did you get what did you do 
Yeah, well, I'm nailing the bathrooms. I'm actually getting ready to add tractor driving to my resume um, after Thursday because the, they're delivering the porta potties, but they won't put them on the course. So I'm gonna I'm gonna learn how to drive a tractor with. Well, Andrew Duvall will be there, so I have backup. My dad's <laughs> listening, so I need to I need to assure him that I have an assistant for that duties. Um, but yeah, you've got to nail the bathrooms at a women's event. It's so easy. Porta potties are, are really cheap. So just put some bathrooms out there, and the women will love you. Mm-hmm. Um, could not nail the the childcare. I mean, that's just such an insurance thing, you know. Like sure. I would love to do it, and I could find a ton of babysitters, but like. I need to get a, an insurance policy before I, I go down that, that path. Um, what are you doing this weekend, Terry? <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> babysit. Go on. You've raised two yeah. daughters, mostly. <laughs> yeah. Somewhat. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> they're alive. Let's put it that way. And they're probably they're up. Alive. They're up and oh. drinking right now or something. I don't know what they're doing. Uh, <laughs> now, I got to babysit 288 people in Wisconsin this weekend uh, for the tournament I'm running. But yeah, uh, yeah. Is this the Skyline this weekend? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Skyline you Classic. Know, I still have a Skyline hoodie from like, I don't even know, 24, 13 or 14. I yeah. can't get in it right now, pandemic weight, but uh, <laughs> I'll get back in it soon. <laughs> well, uh, I'll, I'll have to hunt down another one or maybe do another run of uh, of those hoodies. You were one of the very first people to buy one, so I appreciate that. Um, yeah, Skyline taking place this weekend, but uh, d- w- did you just do it as a team entry fee? Um, you know, not that I'm hopping on yeah, that, but I did. If- I wanted to keep it low, and I think I kept it maybe a little bit too low because mm. everyone gets player packs, and we're doing um the the really nice full sub jerseys from VII. Uh, nice. Um, I'm giving everyone lunch, and then I got a shout out Upper Park um, bags because they gave me a draw bag for everyone for their player pack. Oh. And then they also threw in um, four of their bigger bags. So the winning team will all get uh, upper part bags. And that was like full donation, like not not out of the budget at all. So that was that was really awesome. But yeah, it was only $40 a person, but I had them sign up at one time uh, so they could pick their team color because everyone's jersey will be a different color. Wow. Awesome. So, I mean, jerseys, lunch um, and all the other things you said, plus, you know, a player pack. Uh, two rounds of golf, organized golf. I mean, it sounds like a pretty damn good deal to me. Yeah, I hope they have a good time. Tell yeah. them that. I'm going to send them to you, Terry, if they don't. <laughs> <laughs> send all complaints to Terry Miller. Yes, yes. That, that, that sounds like a good idea. Uh, and hopefully, I'm assuming, you you would love to see this spark a little inspiration into some of these. I mean, some of these other women are going to play. They're going to love it. They're going to take it back to their hometown and, and hopefully convince their club or their women's league or whomever else and say, hey, we, we need to host one of these next year. Is, is that kind of the vision that you have? Yeah, I want to have these like everywhere. And I think it would be cool if we did them, um, you know, like oh, my phone's dying. But if we, if we did them like, um, you know, the USDGC doubles where they're like, um, their qualifiers. So like if everyone eventually like down the road, like right now, it's just fun. We get more women playing in your area, but then as a, maybe a separate tier to the team event, we could have like a team national champion. I mean, I know that with does the team event and I think that it would be bigger if it was if it was in the U S I think a, a lot of us have a hard time traveling to, to other countries for that event. Um, but I think, I think it, crowning a team champion, uh, a women's team champion would be like a cool thing for our sport. 
I love it. Now, uh, before your phone dies, real quick, we want to also <laughs> get in a, an another plug. Every, almost every weekend, uh, whether it's at the event, which I've, I've now seen a number of them done and handed out, or it's on social media a day or two later, we see the announcement for someone or two people, two women, that qualify for the Throw Pink, uh, the championships at the end of the year. Uh, give us a quick breakdown on what that means, what, what's happening when we're seeing that week in and week out. Yeah, I mean, that's I'm really excited about that. I mean, last year we made a big splash with that. And uh, women's, uh, there's so many TP championships. Maybe I need a new name. But uh, that that was a huge like way for me to make a difference, you know, for the professional women. You know, it's I've been doing the amateur women and getting new women playing and the kids and all that. But I hadn't really done as much as I wanted to do for the, for the professional women. So for me, that event is about giving them more opportunities. And, and Sarah touched on this a little bit. And then we need more sponsors behind them and, and you know, more coverage. You know, um, I think Cassie Sweden said this on the on the thread, they can they can watch more women because there's more coverage of it. So I think putting the women on that that giant stage, um, you know, at Winthrop is important for for them getting more money from their sponsors and more viewers and just showcasing them. Um, which you know, who doesn't love watching really good disc golf? And I think that we we get that you know there. So you know, I would love for it to get you know bigger and and be able to get more women. I mean, there's a lot of logistics that go into that and I would love it if the PGA would make it a major a little plug there <laughs> um, but I hope that the women still you know get the experience that they want even as an A tier and that the, the, the tier doesn't matter they still um, still want to be a part of it yeah it's it's definitely a huge stage and you know it, Missy Gannon I think of last year is not sitting around thinking, oh, but it was only an eight year or anything of that nature. I mean, it was a huge stage uh, and it felt as important as as any other big win throughout the year uh, that I think someone could go out and capture. And it was awesome to be there and to see it and have it all unfold. Do you do you see the do you see it continuing at uh, Winthrop year in and year out? Or is that something that's maybe even up for a, a bidding process or might get moved? No, I like the idea of it, the continuity of it being, mm-hmm. you know, at the same place. I mean, that's something that the women um, are lacking with the USWDGC um, is that it's bit out and it travels around. And and I think the, you know, the, the guys, or I guess USDGC is technically open to everyone, but the USDGC field, um, you know, they know what they're going to get every year and they know what to expect. Um and and I think that there's something to be said for that. I think that's that's important. You know, like I would like to see the the PGA PGA Championship stay at the uh, at the Disc Golf Center. I think mm-hmm. that would have been cool. I mean, it's their championship, like their Masters kind of thing. Um, I mean, I think it's, I mean, I guess it's cool. It's moving around. I don't know how the pros feel about it, um, but I, I like that. I mean, golf does that. They don't like they have some stuff that moves around, but they also have their main championships that that stay on the same, the same course, you know, the masters is one of the best, you know, sports competitions in the world and mm-hmm. look what they do, you know? Yeah. There's something about Augusta, Augusta area, uh, ball golf, disc golf, whatever, all of it is, it's very special and unique place to be. Uh, and I think I've been there for a couple world championships, but then also being there for these few majors the week right after the masters, it was, it was a very, uh, yeah, it was just such a great place to be. So I, totally hear what you're saying about that all right is there is there any any stone uh unturned here any boxes we need to check or any other information that we need to get can people still sign up can they is it is it available is it full what what's 
It's I could maybe fit a couple more teams, but oh, I do need a quick plug. I had one drop, one last minute drop. So if anybody wants to come to Marion, North Carolina, I'll pay your entry fee and I'll feed you, and I'll find you a place to stay too. So we need to get one more girl. One there. person. One and more the, person. They they probably can't be too high of a rating, or can they? No, they can't be. Yeah, because okay. yeah, with the, their, that team, whatever rating. Come on, come on, Paige Pierce. Come on, Missy Gannon. Don't play OTB. Come on out. Yeah, just just tell Sarah. Be like, hey, skip the golf course. Tell, uh, yeah. you know, tell Sarah. You'll just like fly her back. Anyway. Exactly. Yeah. So she should That's just come cool. play there. I mean, that seems. All right, I'll talk to her. I mean, if you, I, I mean, I could talk to my 11 year old. I'll put her on a plane tomorrow. She, you, yeah, send Mackenzie down out. there. You should, you should not get an OTB and come film this, Terry. I'm running yeah. my tournament. Oh, that's right. You're running your tournament. Otherwise, I would love to be there. Yeah. I'd send the other daughter if I were you. Yeah. Knowing your two daughters, I'd probably send Alice. No, I want you to deal with Mackenzie. Okay, luck. in that aspect, yes. Good luck. I'm sorry and good luck. Uh, Kenzie, if you're listening, go to bed. All right. Uh, Sarah, anything else you want to share with us before? we let you go tonight no thank you guys so much for having me always absolutely thank you uh for your support thank you for your kindness and and just keep killing it we know uh, you're out there working so hard to get more women involved with the game to support women's disc golf and to see it grow and thrive and uh you probably don't get as many accolades as you should so uh thank you for everything you're doing we love it and uh yeah just keep at it Thanks, guys. I'll try to stay awake for the after show. Ah, okay. yeah, you don't have to. <laughs> That's where we're going to talk about you. All right. Good night, Sarah. <laughs> good night, Sarah. <laughs> uh, she does. She. I don't want to say she hides, but she is always behind the scenes, and she does so much for the sport. She does, and it's awesome having Sarah on. Yes, thank you so much, and best of luck to all the competitors out there this weekend. Uh, I. She'll have to give us an update later as to who who filled in and then was able to come play. I, it sounds like a really, really fun event. It already had my mind racing about uh, something that could be done of that nature. We know that Jenny Sanfilippo here in Milwaukee area uh, works very diligently to uh, uh, foster competitive events for you know lots of different uh, uh, skill levels and and ranges and whatnot. And I just think something like this, yeah, fits right in line with that. It sounds like a really, really fun time. So, or, or even just having. You know, obviously dedicating it to FPO, but just your regional team event with a ratings cap could be sure. kind of cool. You know, like like she said, get a ratings cap of maybe it's a little bit more than thirty six hundred or whatever her number was. I forget thirty five. Thirty five. Thank you. Maybe it's thirty eight hundred or something. Sure. And so you you encourage people to find FPO players to find. You have to have one FPO player, or you know, like a lot of team events have specific spots for a master's player, uh, an FPO player, you've got a grandmaster player, a couple open advanced, but just put a ratings cap on it. Cause then who cares if you're, if you're, or if you're 880 rated, uh, man player, man player, another, cause they're not an MPO, but, uh, is playing against an 880 rated women's player. So I don't know. I think it could be kind of interesting. Okay. Make that happen, Terry. You're the TD. 
<laughs> in my off weekends. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, there, there are a lot of great ideas there. Uh, is there, I, I, in the regular show here, real quick, uh, before we close out, I also personally want to touch on, I was out of town. I was not involved in any way, shape, or form with the uh, Masters Cup that was taking place. I Nor was I. Uh, yeah, we were not uh, part of the schedule for the Silver Series, or they're just finding a way to uh, gently let us go. No. Uh, but we're not involved with the Silver Series uh, in this particular weekend and when it all was uh, said and done speaking of the college event that's what really created or put the 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 bug in the ear of one Stephen dodge about five weeks ago mm. and Stephen dodge was watching the college event and he's like yeah i could do something kind of sort of along those lines that sounds like fun i'm gonna run a college event and sure enough uh he ended up putting one together it was he just wants Maple- to be around college kids make him feel younger <laughs> Something like that. Uh, the Maple Hill Invitational took place. It was a lot of fun. Uh, when it was all said and done, there were eight teams that ultimately got invited, including two of the best teams in the world, in uh, including Missouri, along with Ferris State. Uh, you find them often battling. And in fact, I think... Uh, uh, Missouri was your champion a few just a few weeks ago at the college championships. And there was a little hubbub about Ferris State and whatever that's all been uh, I guess talked about in <laughs> in great detail and long and short of it it was just it was a lot of fun they played a lot of golf yeah. it was ultimately three rounds with a couple of different formats there was some match play there was some doubles so there was a little bit of strategy that was involved and some seeding and and who you teamed up with so on and so forth but ultimately these players were treated <laughs> it's definitely worth mentioning all of their, for being part of the event, all of their greens fees and playing Maple Hill all day Saturday was covered. Any greens fees that would have been there on Sunday covered. I think it's like 20 bucks on the weekend to play. So that's, that can add up. So they got the chance to go play Maple Hill, essentially free of charge in those senses. There was a welcoming dinner that took place on Saturday night. Nice. Then there were three rounds of golf when it was all said and done on Sunday, including lunch. Uh, that was also provided on site, and I think every player got like two discs and a bag tag, and on top of all of that stuff, they got to meet you. They got to meet me. <laughs> <laughs> that surprisingly was not itemized. Are you sure? <laughs> yeah, that was yeah, not in I the player's pack? That might have, no, it wasn't. Uh, no, and on top of all of that, uh, everything was, there was no entry fee. It was an invitational. And everything was covered, and I think that was largely, if not solely, uh, due to the sponsorship and the support of Dynamic Disc. So I want to get all of that in there. Uh, huge for Dynamic to step up in the way that they did. Of course, they worked on a very tight timeline with Steve to make it all happen. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, the event was taking place. So I've got to thank... Uh, my two main men, Todd Dodge, who came out of uh, filming retirement. The OG best disc golf filmer. Uh, dating yeah decades uh, ago brother owns yeah. yours <laughs> yes uh so todd dodge love you todd. Uh, helped out and then uh matt graham from the nick and matt show uh also uh he's working on some edits i'll be working on some edits but thank you to those two along with steve and then everyone at maple hill and all the teams and you know all the givens so on and so forth but it was a lot of fun and uh yeah i it very well could be the first year of something that grows into something 
massive in terms of having more teams, having more golf, and another opportunity for college disc golf with unique formats. So cool. Big shout out to all of them. So, all right. I think on that note, let's close out the regular show and then we can talk a little bit more about uh, some Maple Hill shenanigans. I may or may not have taken down Simon in a a few games uh, played at his house. There was some pool, some billiards, I think I referred to it as. Uh, There was some darts. Um, Yeah, we had a a good time and I'm just saying maybe. Don't don't spill the beans, Terry. Okay. Thank you to Sarah and Sarah for joining us tonight. Congratulations to uh, Sarah Hokum, of course, your FPO Masters Cup champion. Also to Gannon Burr. Gannon was featured last night on the Mick and, uh, Nick and Matt show. And uh, I got a few questions in with him there. And uh, yeah, so impressive for such you a, a young superstar. You didn't smash box up that interview, did you? You didn't make it like an hour and a half. No, we, we kept things relatively short, uh, but it was a really good time, and I, I was truly honored. I'll talk more about that later, but I was honored to be there in studio over on another podcast. That was a lot of fun. Uh, so as I said, thank you, Sarah, Sarah, for Johnny V and myself, Terry Miller, the Disc Golf Guy, and our One Disc, One Tip segment from Ace Run Productions with Lisa Fakus. We appreciate you guys. We've got all sorts of silliness planned for you guys in the after show. We'll see you then when you step inside the Smashbox. Thank you to our $2 and above patrons. Your name is listed below in the credits. If you are interested in being listed as a producer in the Smashbox TV credits and supporting this and other fine podcasts, please visit patreon.com slash smashbox TV. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.